0: You are listening to The EdTech Takeout from Grantwood AEA, an educational service agency that supports school districts in eastern Iowa with a focus on equity, excellence, and efficiency in education for all children. Welcome to episode 45 of The EdTech Takeout, the podcast that serves up bite-sized technology tips for teachers. My name is Jonathan Wiley, and this is Mindy Kearney. Hello. Hey, Mindy. How are you? Fine. How are you? Good. i got a question for you.
1: Okay. <laughs> Jeez, all right let's, I'm just gonna let's jump right this. in there yeah you are oh, get to business
0: okay uh business sucks business man.
1: sucks if you will
0: yes uh are you polite to your digital assistants?
1: um actually surprisingly yes I am yeah I am
0: I was in the car the other day and at, at a school and I had to get directions home yeah. and I asked the assistant on my phone yeah. who I'm not going to name in case I set off someone's device somewhere oh. but yeah and I said um, take me home please and mm. I said and I said please, please. and I, yeah. I had to catch myself and thought well maybe we should be more polite to these yeah. uh, digital servants that we yeah. have
1: the only time I say please is um, I'll say Alexa please turn off the music but I never say thank you yeah. If you say thank you, does anything happen?
0: Well, my wife never says please, and she oh. actually gets quite angry at Alexa, and she will oh, yeah. shout at Alexa she in like will. a teacher voice. Yes. Yeah. And so um, she has a cross face on as well. It's kind of amusing <laughs> does sometimes. Does Alexa say,
1: look, thing? calm down? No.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think Alexa should. takes it. Anyway, the re- one of the reasons I, I thought we'd start with this is the, uh, the recent Google I.O. Um, conference one of the features that Google is bringing to the Google Assistant mm-hmm. is the pretty please feature. Yes. You can turn on. Have you seen that? So um, that yes. My can, husband
1: actually said something to me about it. Yeah.
0: You can encourage your kids to be mm-hmm. more polite. Yeah. and I don't know what you thought about that as a conceptual kind of yeah. how should we be talking to these digital assistants.
1: Yeah. I don't really know. I think it's good practice. Yeah. So does she not respond unless you say pretty please?
0: Um, I think she rewards you, you by saying things like, thank you for asking so nicely. Oh, I will turn sure, the music good. off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if our Alexa did that, my wife would probably throw it across the kitchen. <laughs> don't you
1: be nice to me.
0: Yeah. Mm. I haven't got time for that. Yeah, that's so. interesting. It's mm-hmm.
1: good practice for the, for the kids.
0: So there you go. It might be yeah. coming to uh, a Google Assistant near you too. And I don't know if Apple will do that with... Um, the lady or the gentleman. The lady or the gentleman. Yes, depending on who you have, but yeah. uh, it's possible.
1: Oh, good one.
0: Um, do you remember the Puppet Master app that we talked about on episode 41 <laughs> as a tech nugget?
1: Why, yes, I do. How could
0: you forget, you really? Yeah, right. Yes. Um, remember the developer's website said that they would help people create a lesson for any curricular subject, and Tony Vincent Bless him. <laughs> challenge the developer to create a lesson showing the lowest common denominator. Yeah,
1: not a simple task.
0: You would think not, would mm-hmm. you? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, we received a tweet, as you know, Mindy, <laughs> from Michal Feingold, who is the creator of the Puppet Mess Wrap. She heard our episode and accepted Tony's challenge. Oh, yeah, so fun. Isn't that interesting? yeah. So we uh, we set up a time to talk to Michal mm-hmm. on the podcast about um, lots of different things. But yeah. I think one of the things we thought was important that we could talk about was the importance of art education. Because yeah. we've not done that before. Right, right. And I think that'd be something that'd be interesting to a lot of our, our listeners. And given Michal's background as a mm-hmm. digital animator yeah. and uh, app developer mm-hmm. of creative art apps, we thought this would be a fun thing to do.
1: Yeah, so let's get started.
0: Let's do it. All right, so on to the next part of our show, the main course. We we have a special guest with us today. We have Mikhail Feingold, who is a mom, a computer programmer, a digital designer. What else am I missing?
2: Um, video uh, or a visual effects professional, I should say. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: We have to talk about that, too. Yeah. Sure.
0: <laughs> so t- tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, give us uh, – Give us the, the, the origin story.
2: Um, so I was always really into programming and was always really into art and, um, I was. First, I was a software engineer. I studied physics and computer science at university. I'm Israeli. It's kind of our national profession to be software engineers. So, uh but I, I really, really loved it. And uh I wanted to incorporate it with some of these artistic things that I like to do. And my husband suggested, oh, what about computer animation? And I was like, hmm, okay. So we have to move to the States to pursue that because that's where the industry is. And so we moved and... uh I did visual effects and computer animation for like a decade. I worked on a lot of movies like The Hobbit, Captain America, and Happy Feet 2. And I worked on Uh a lot of commercials. Uh, Have you seen the Geico Gecko commercials? Yes. Yes. I worked on some of those. Cool. and, um, uh, And some TV shows and stuff. So that was really fun. And I always really was drawn to animating physical types of things, like um, things made of clay and paint and fabric. And I would see these beautiful stop motion animations that people make. You, you guys know what stop motion is? Yeah. 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 So um uh basically, I kept wishing there was an easier way to do that because it's really time consuming to take one frame at a time. What right. I liked, have you ever seen the making of for like Disney movies where they'll show you the pencil sketches and how they animate? Mm-hmm. I always yeah. thought that looks amazing just like that. Like I don't uh-huh. even need it all smoothed out and colored. So I was playing around uh, with this idea and then I also had a baby and that kind of all came together because I thought, you know who would really enjoy animating their arts and crafts or their toys or things like that is kids. So it kind of all came together. I made this app called Puppet Master. I made the first version myself and then it started to grow and I started to hire a little bit of help with it. And, uh, It basically lets you animate your your arts and crafts or your toys or anything that you choose to photograph. You can animate it by moving your body around in front of the screen, in front of the device camera. Um, That's just called motion capture. Or you can use your fingers and drag around the body parts and things like that. Um, And I made a couple of other animation apps that all have to do with this, with taking physical things and bringing them to life. Um, So... Yeah, I don't, I talk a lot, so you guys need to. No, look. you're good. You're, it's very interesting.
1: So, um, Wiley has done some of this, obviously. That's where the tech nugget came from, um, with his kids. And I'm planning on using it with a class of kindergartners tomorrow. It's really neat. It's a really great
2: idea. We're very impressed.
0: Very impressed. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. It was kind of one of those things where I thought, first of all, I thought, why isn't anybody doing this? And I waited for a while. I was like, well, surely somebody will soon, but nobody was. So I was like, well, I better do it. And um I didn't expect it to take off as much in the educational field because I just didn't think about it at first. I thought about myself because I'm self-centered, I guess. And I was like, I want this and I want it for my kid. But uh, then parents were like, is this educational? And it is inherently educational, anything that's creative. Mm-hmm. Um, But even more so if I sort of make sure there's educational content built into it. So I it kind of snowballed into this thing. And then I started learning about arts integration. i had already heard about STEAM, which is, you know, STEM with the arts in there. Right, yes. Um, and then I heard this term arts integration and learned more about it and just the idea of incorporating and combining um, the teaching kids the arts and teaching whatever academic subject you're trying to teach. And I was really drawn to this idea for a bunch of reasons – um, you know, I'm sure that art education is really important, but at the same time, it's probably one of the first things to get cut in a school budget or things like that. Um, so in terms of how important it is, I I know for myself that I wouldn't be, I always say this to people, I wouldn't be as good a software developer if I didn't have the really good arts education that I had when I was a kid. I had great art teachers. I had a teacher who said to me about a piece of art, she said, that's interesting. And I said, oh, that's what you say when you don't like something, right? When it's not pretty. Cause I was really little and I was just thinking <laughs> sure. of things like that. And she said, yeah. no, interesting is the best compliment you, you could get. It's the, it's the most important thing I look for in art. And just a lot of influences like that. I had a teacher who would always say, whenever she showed us something, a technique, she would say, this is just one way of doing things. It's not the only way. It's not the right way. It's just one way I wanted to show you. And then she would give us these assignments like crazy hat day. And you were supposed to make a crazy hat out of whatever. And she would tell us these are skills that you, it, whatever you do later in life, you'll be more, you, you'll be more able to think outside the box and come up with creative solutions to things. And I have found that to be true. And it helped me. Imagine things that don't exist yet, you know, Mm -hmm. and it helped me um, visualize things that are really abstract, like in terms of mathematics, visualize n-dimensional problems and this and that. Um, So even just as strictly like a programming nerd, uh, it's all very much connected. And even more so when you think about how important design is and user experience is in technology right now, the entire like comeback of Apple and its um, influence over the whole market is based on that. And um, I don't know if you guys know if you're familiar, but there's this guy, Paul Graham, he's very important in the tech world. He founded a really big, uh, the biggest accelerator for high tech company for startups. And he was Speaking at this thing that's available on iTunes U now as part of their course. And a student asked if it's worth going to business school after, you know, studying computer science. And Paul Graham Mm. kind of found a polite way to say not really. And he was like, (laughs) and he was like, uh, if you're going to study something else, you know, I'd probably go to design school or something. And I thought, yes, I agree. (laughs) That's very interesting. Um, so yeah, all of that is, um, really important. And of course, of course, for me, because I got into computer animation and design, those things are specifically artistic and visual. So of course, it made a huge difference. But I really, I can't think of any profession in which it doesn't help you to have a strong background in art and arts education. So so coming back to how easily that stuff gets cut and how hard it is to be a teacher and hit all these academic standards that you have to hit, um, because there's just no time. If you can integrate these things, and you can Give a lesson that does all of this at once. That's something creative and something that uses storytelling and and arts and crafts and this and that, and is around a lesson in history or science or whatever it is that you're trying to teach. Then everybody wins. Then you're providing that art education. You're still meeting your standards that you need to meet. Um, and, uh, your kids are going to remember it much better. I think if I had learned certain topics in a more creative way, I probably would have remembered them much better and mm. internalized them much better. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it's fun, the students are engaged, they're not just kind of like, you know, blocking it all out.
0: So when you've created this uh, Puppet Master app, you've, you've had more contact with teachers and you've been going into to work in schools and yes. what kind of things are, are teachers using your, your app for or what kind of things are they finding use, use cases for in the classroom?
2: So, um, I've had, I've had, uh, I've done workshops where we learn, I'll pick a common core standard, a specific one. Like there's one about, um, learning how modern day phrases come from fables, ancient fables and things like that, or mythology. So I'll take a subject like that and we'll do a workshop where students create some arts and crafts version of a character and some sort of collage or photograph or something for the background and they retell the story as that character so you learn the mm. story you talk about, so there's the example that I have on my website with the fox and the grapes we learn the fox and the grapes fable we learn about the expression sour grapes and how it relates and then and I, I sort of asked them, so do you think the grapes were really sour? And it's amazing. Like they, th- they really do get it. Really little kids even will say, mm-hmm. no, I don't think so. And why do you think he said that? Well, I think he was mad. And you know, they, they really get some thinking and then they create it and they act it out themselves. Or I saw, um, some teachers have been tweeting. So someone recently tweeted something about, um, their own fairy tales. So they were, it, it looked like they were creating their own fairy tales with their own characters and just kind of acting them out. Um, there was once something, uh, kind of patriotic, I guess, something with American history where they were doing, you know, character or they put themselves, one teacher had the kids, um, using themselves as the character, acting things out on some, some <laughs> sort of patriotic background. So I don't know, a lot of different things. A lot of them are doing things that I don't even know about. I wish they would all tag me and tell me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think what's really special about this is, especially for kids, is the ability to take something that they've created. A lot of times with um, different apps and things, it's stuff that's already stocked in. Um, but it's it's just really amazing, I think, to think about kids being able to create something and then see it on the screen and interact with it and then being able to share it from there, too. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a really unique idea, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot about it. Actually, here I don't know yeah. if this is uh, stepping too far, but uh, the app is—is uh, is it, it's a free app right now? Yes, is it free app right now. Going to stay free, or so, I don't know. That's a
2: good question. So, yeah. how my, do you
0: fund and develop this thing? Yeah, so right going now forward? it's
2: been just me, literally just me sitting in my house working on it, and then paying from my own money for whatever help that I needed with it. My plans to monetize, I had a couple of ideas. I thought it could be a freemium kind of thing where, you know, there are some features teachers are really asking for, like they want to animate multiple puppets together so you have a few characters. Mm-hmm. Um, or wouldn't it be fun to add, like, music and effects and different things like that? So mm-hmm. I thought I might do a freemium kind of thing where the app is free, but then for some of these add-ons you pay for the premium version. I also, and of course, there would be like special bulk pricing for schools and things like that. You wouldn't have to pay the same as, you know, someone at home does. But also, um, I also thought I could do a subscription to the educational uh, content that we would provide. So I'm working on a curriculum of lesson plans like that Fox and Grapes one, like, you know, or on different topics, math, history, whatever, and for different ages. So perhaps that could be something um, but the truth is, I don't really have a clear answer on how I'm going to monetize this thing. My immediate plan was to start a Kickstarter campaign and say, look, if you guys like this, if you like the idea, because another thing we haven't really touched on so much is this is an app that isn't just about maximizing your screen time. Most apps for kids and for adults, like if everything, I don't want to name names, but everything out there is made to make us look at the screen as long as possible and then maybe sell us ads or this and that. Yeah. Um I don't want to do that. There's enough of that out there. I wanted something that encourages you to like step away and go make something physically and just be something people love as part of their balanced life. Not something Mm -hmm. people love so much that their eyes are glued to the screen 24-7. And I don't think it's right for little kids. I love when my kid uses the iPad and I have some quiet time, but I feel terribly guilty if she's just doing nothing productive. So I liked the idea of something where she would... You know, here's some instructions for some arts and crafts up here. Make this thing and then you make an animation and all of that. So, um, yeah, a lot of people like that idea. And I thought I might do a Kickstarter campaign where I uh, tell people if you like this, you can pre-order the premium stuff or you can sponsor a school or a classroom to get their version of it and then they won't have to pay naively in a perfect world i would love it if parents liked it so much that they paid in schools or at least public schools didn't have to so i thought let's launch this campaign and see see if people are willing to pay see if people are willing to sponsor other people to have it and see how i can maximize what i can give people while minimizing the cost of it to Mm -hmm. at least to uh, teachers and schools
0: yeah so i mean you touched on that um the idea of, of screen time. And, you know, that's something we've talked about in previous episodes too. Right. But, you know, where do you see the the role of technology in, in, like, our education? Like, when is it appropriate, do you think, to use technology? And when do you think it's better just to work with the physical media? Because, you know, I the example I often throw out in front of teachers is, you know, you don't really want to walk into, like, a kindergarten classroom and see all the kids painting in a, painting app instead of Mm. using physical paint because they thought the paint was too messy or whatever. But, you know, we want to have that balance between the physical and the digital world.
2: Yeah. So I think the key word, what you said, is balance. I think that's true. It's all a matter of degrees. A fantastic app, um, you know, like there might be painting apps that are great, but if that's all you do, then that's kind of a shame. Um, I also think kindergarten and school is probably the best place to be Mm -hmm. making a mess and using all kinds of interesting materials that maybe the kid might not have at home or they might not have a crafty parent like me who knows how to do these things. So it seems like the perfect opportunity for that. So to be honest, it might be a weird thing to say as an app developer, but I think it's really important to spend a lot of your time and your art time and stuff like that at school with physical materials. And I think the Um, digital stuff should just complement that. So in the case of Puppet Master, um, it's providing you something, an animated video, which is so much fun and it makes you excited and it's creative and and it's something active and engaging and all of that. But that just complements the physical stuff that you've created. Um, and there's not really a physical way to make a video that you can, you know, so, uh, painting apps are awesome, but they're, you look at them and they're basically using visual language that comes from the real physical world, right? Can you yeah. imagine kids who don't know, don't even know what a paintbrush is, but they're supposed to, I'm sure every kid knows what a paintbrush is, but my point is if you take it to the extreme and stop using these physical things and just use digital devices, it just, you wouldn't understand how colors mix to create another color, or you wouldn't, you wouldn't have that experimentation time of just doing random stuff and seeing what sticks, inventing artistic techniques that your teacher doesn't even know about. And an app developer certainly doesn't know about, but you just you dropped some paint onto some material accidentally, and you said, "Oh, that's an interesting splatter." And why don't I glue a feather on it? And these yeah. are things, <laughs>
1: I love that. These yeah. are,
2: I, I love when things like that happen, and you want to make the space for that to happen.
0: Yeah, because um, I mean, so like yeah. when you and I were balance in school, and and we when we were taught art. I don't think our teachers would ever have considered using any kind of computers or digital technology as as part of that. I mean, you know, it was all kind of physical media. And now we live in an age where we have the potential to do that with whether it's with Apple pencils or, you know, all other kinds of stuff that, you know, it's.
1: But there's
2: still a lot of value. Yeah, I think it's an interesting conversation.
0: Mm -hmm. Like, where do we, how how do we teach art in the 21st century? You know, what does that look like?
2: I think also, like, before I actually had a kid, I kind of was leaning towards, oh, you know, little kids, they shouldn't be using tablets. And they're like, I didn't, I didn't realize then when I actually had her and I saw how she was using things, I thought, oh, that's kind of amazing. And, um, Like, like we're saying in a balanced way, it can't, it should, it should complement the physical things, not completely replace them. But I realized, okay, these tools, they are part of our life now. And everything was new technology once. I mean, I mean, day glow markers were like super new technology once, but they're, they're still, they're still part of our tool set. And it doesn't completely replace mixing watercolors. It's just another thing. Mm -hmm. So I feel very similarly about digital tools and it's how you use them. And I think, Apps and tools that are digital but are very active, or that the user is very active and very open ended. I think that's important too. The open endedness. There's a lot of things that are quote unquote coloring, you know, and you just tap it and it becomes a certain color. And I'm like, no, that's you're not really. right. Even coloring is not really my favorite thing. I like open ended, you know, here's an empty piece of paper, do whatever you want kind of thing. Um, so yeah, seeing my daughter like, I, I did at a certain point give her a painting app just to see what she was do. And she got really interested and excited and played around with it. And so it really, it really changed my views. And I was like, no, it's not about like new technology until a certain age. It's about, it's about balance with everything else that should be in her life. You know, does that make sense? If you look at digital tools for music, one could have argued when they first started coming out, like, oh, that's not really music. And people are going to forget how to use, you know, a guitar. And and that's not what's happened at all. All mm-hmm. the digital tools out there for music have become just another thing that you layer together with, you know, physical musical instruments. And with children, their musical education should be a lot to do with physical instruments because that's where it all starts and feeling the vibration and things like that. But then if playing around with some musical app that's creative and open-ended and lets them create something, if that makes them more excited about music or more excited about the things they can play and record, why not? You know, um, photography was completely new, that's but true. it didn't replace yeah. the art of painting or drawing. It just became another thing. And now you can mix them in all kinds of crazy ways with with digital tools or, or just physically. So... So, yeah, my, my views have kind of changed as I realized, no, this is part of our life. It's a matter of how how are we going to use it and how are we going to teach our kids to use it and condition them to either sit around consuming things all the time or condition them to look at a tool, be it physical or digital, and say, what can I make with this? You know, I, I wonder what I could do that nobody else has done yet. And that's what I want them to do. That's
1: good analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. So I have one final question for you. Mm -hmm. And you might not know this about Wiley, but he's somewhat demanding. And (laughs) um, I believe in our episode with Tony Vincent that he requested a lowest common denominator lesson. Where are you with that?
2: With his demands? I started thinking about that the minute he said that. And so... What I thought would be a cool idea was um, and I'll try to make something and, and put it on the website or maybe just have people like uh, email me if they want if they want me to send them like some materials and some examples. The prime factorization, I always think of it like like a root or roots of a tree. So I thought you make some sort of collage. I like the idea of clay or plasticine for this. And you make um, on like, and, and use cardboard or something as your background. So it sticks onto them. It's like a relief, like it's like a two and a half D. Um, and then you you make, uh, you have each kid choose which method they're going to use and you give them the math problem to solve. So they make two sets of roots for the two trees that represent, you know, the two numbers. And on those roots you put the prime factorization of each one of them. And then at the bottom, you put, you know, maybe like a pebble or something like that for each prime factor that you're actually including in the end results. And so you have this piece of art that shows that method. And you can use that as a background for an animation. And your character, I thought a bunny would be good or any kind of animal that burrows because this scene is underground, right? Uh, So you have a bunny. So you have a bunny and you just have the bunny kind of... Explain if you really wanted to get like complicated with it It could start with a word problem and then you invent a word problem and you have the kid, you know But that becomes much longer and so he could tell the word problem and explain what he did If you want to just limit it to this is how we do you know lowest common denominator Just have the bunny kind of show what he's done and explain it because kids I heard this somewhere and it's really true When kids kind of teach something and explain and show what they've learned they internalize it better um so that would be one method, or if kids want to choose the other method, I don't know if there's an official name for that method, but just listing the multiples until you reach one that's common, then that I envision like like branches and leaves on a tree. So you have these two big horizontal branches, and the leaves are the multiples. So if you're doing, I don't know, um, one denominator was six and one denominator was 13 or something, Um, that's going to be long, but you you do, you do the, you, you put the, um, you put the leaves on there. You could have cutouts of like construction paper leaves. You could prepare those in advance if you don't have a lot of time with the kids, or you could have them depending on the season, collect actual leaves, fallen leaves from outside and Mm. glue them on in a collage. I like that. And then on the leaves with a Sharpie marker, you write the number. So each leaf is a multiple. And then on the branches, you stop when you reach the one that's common to both of them. So again, you, and you could put this on a blue background and you could, if you don't like collage, you can do this with watercolor. You can, I'm just, I really like dimensional stuff. So I like doing collages and recycled materials and stuff. And then there you could do something like an owl because this is up in the tree and owls are wise and they would know math, right? Or it could be just any, any animal that they want. And that guy could explain what they've done and how it works and, and how they arrived at their answer. So yeah, that's my, that is so far my favorite idea for this. I have some other ideas I'm noodling with, but mm-hmm. cool.
0: yeah, so I mean, we talked about that last time on on the show with Tony, and you, you do have that on your website that if people are looking for ideas on how to use your app to teach a certain concept, you're you're willing to you know help people out with that.
2: Yes, yes, I'm very willing. Um, I also, if anyone is reasonably close to me because I'm in Connecticut, I'm in Greenwich, I've driven up to two hours to reach a school and do a workshop there because I really like to see how kids are using the app and how teachers are using it and what Mm. they want. Um, I also have been to, and and I'm happy to go to more, to professional development meetings that um, teachers are having so I can ask them, what do you think of this and what would you like? That's how I found out what they want and some of their concerns were. Like the concern, I don't have time to do everything I want. Like I have age appropriate, fun, creative ideas to do with my little kids, but I also have to meet all these standards and there's not enough time. And that's why I thought combining and arts integration would be good. So if anyone wants ideas, just email me and I'll send them to you. If you want me to come to you and do a workshop, if I can be there in a couple hours, I'll do it. Or if you uh are willing to invite me to a professional development meeting and tell me what else you'd like me to make. That would be great.
0: Mikael, it was uh, great to talk to you. It where really can uh where can people find all your stuff online?
2: Uh you can go to puppetmasterapp.com. Puppetmaster app, all one word. You'll find this app, you'll find where to email me, you'll find other apps I have. You can also just go on the App Store and search for Puppet Master. It's just all one word, Puppet Master. Um and uh thank you so much
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's really been a pleasure it's very interesting thank you so much oh thank
2: you I've never been on a podcast before so I'm glad (laughs) I didn't do terribly (laughs) we're
1: glad that we got to be your initial one
2: yay (laughs) thanks Mikhail. thank you
1: all right on to the next part of the show up next Tech Nuggets What's up? What are well, you?
0: just before we start the Tech Nuggets, I just yeah. wanted to drop in here that we had um, a recent review in yeah. the Apple Podcast okay. app. And uh, somebody asked that we should do another All nugget show, oh, Mindy. All Nuggets show. So I think that may be our, our summer learning to have yeah. I mean, a good thing maybe to come some back press. with. Yeah. I know we have mm-hmm. all summer to... I mean, we don't have all summer off. We really don't. We are in no. and out for all kinds of different things. Yeah. And we've got conferences. Right. Maybe even we've, after we've been to ISTE. Yeah, I say, maybe we should do
1: one after ISTE and do a Tech a Nugget. A Tech
0: Nugget from ISTE. All right. So that's it settled. Then we will do a Tech Nugget show sometime after, after we've been ISTE. to ISTE. Right. That makes sense? Yeah. All right. It might not be like straight after ISTE, but, it, you like know. Like August. Okay. Can we do it in August? We can do it in August. Okay. Yeah. Let's do that. All right, sounds good. Take some notes, Mindy.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. So you're going to start. You, you got one. We should
0: probably actually do tech nuggets instead of just talking about tech nuggets. Oh, yes, that's true. All right. Okay. So friend of the show Heather Callahan.
1: Hi, Heather.
0: Has created an interesting uh, tech nugget. I thought was worth sharing with you guys here. It's um, her I C Y M I summer learning opportunity. So in case you missed it. Some are learning modules that she put together, so online opportunities to learn and grow professionally, whether you need to brush up on your Google Suite skills, learn Mm -hmm. more about a tool, or just want opportunities to collaborate with colleagues. So uh, Heather is a tech integration coach at her district, and I'm presuming she created this. In Nebraska. Yes, in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. I'm presuming she created this for her teachers. Yeah. But she has said anybody, anybody is welcome to jump right. in and, yep. and try this stuff out. Right. So she's got six modules here to select from. What are they? And they are Gmail Gems, amping up your inbox. Mm. You know, if Gina did that, it would be Gina's Gmail <laughs> Gems.
1: <laughs> it would be.
0: Uh, we got a Slides Smorgasbord. Oh. Uh, did you know? Yep. Kicking with Keep, mm-hmm. HyperDocs and Choice Boards, and my favorite, <laughs> the podcast Playground, It's Mindy. about you.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's about us, oh, technically. Right, oh, yeah, right. right. Um, because in the podcast Playground, she says you should pick any episode of the EdTech Takeout and then just uh, record on a Padlet some things you've learned or some ideas you've got for um Implementing technology in your classroom. So, we appreciate Heather for uh, including us in uh, her district mm-hmm. learning and for sharing that out with other people. Is that um,
1: her Padlet or your own Padlet?
0: She created a Padlet oh. that anybody can just jump on. Nice. And you want
1: yeah, it's hard to burn a Padlet these days.
0: Well, that's it's somebody true. else yes. to create it, not yes. you. Yes, she has you a Padlet. Your Padlets. She has a Padlet that has links to Padlets. Oh,
1: nice.
0: so one Padlet with the six Got modules, it. and then you click yeah. on the module you want, and then you leave your reflection on there. So Good one. If you're looking for some summer learning, some yeah. free, self-paced summer learning, yeah. then Heather Callahan's got you sorted.
1: Thanks for including us, Heather. We appreciate it. This yeah. is the second year she's done it, right?
0: I think this is the second year. Yeah, yes. right.
1: All right. So my first tech nugget is called Snooze Tabby, coming from you from Stacey Beamer. And um, as many of you now know, I um, love the snooze option in my inbox, and I have um, – so when Stacy shared this with us, I was super excited about it because I like the idea of sending things away but having them boomerang back. So um, the way Snooze Tabby works is it's an extension for your browser, and what you can do is snooze a tab. So one of the examples that they used was, like, if you are um, – you came across a resource or something, but you don't have time in that moment to read it, then you can snooze it and have it come back, most importantly. Like, if you – aren't sure whether or not it's something you want to keep and bookmark or curate to a list or whatever Um, but then it comes you know back and you can customize those times too or there are some built-in snooze options as well Um, so I tried it and kind of played with it a little bit and yeah I mean I just set it for like a minute timer and it came back in a minute the only thing that I wish it did differently was that I wish like it kind of opened a new window just with that tab. So it was more obvious, like, hey, this oh, yeah. tab has come back just to you. Just pops up right in the but screen. Inst- yeah, so, like, I could totally miss that tab and not, like, with all my tabs that I have open, which isn't a ton, but, hmm. um, But yeah, definitely maybe worth looking at if you like the snooze option of sending things away. I really wanted to send a bunch of tabs away at one time, but it's one tab at a time.
0: Just one tab at a time? I think so. That's all okay. I can
1: figure out how to do anyway, but
0: hmm. I don't know. Okay, I like it. I mean, I could see as a as a classroom teacher if you are, you know, looking something up at recess, and then all your kids come filing back through the door, and you're like, "Oh, okay, I'll just look at this later if right. I make sure it's the one I need." Snooze it until your prep time or lunch time, and then, yeah, there it is, and you can take a look at it again.
1: Yeah. Did I mention it's for Chrome and Firefox?
0: It's for Chrome and Firefox? Firefox
1: too. Look at that. Wow. Who knew?
0: I might even try it.
1: Yeah, give it a shot. Let me know what you think.
0: Yeah. I think for all those people that have uh, tabs as to-do lists, this this one's for you.
1: This one's for you.
0: You could check things off temporarily and Mm -hmm. bring them back later.
1: Yeah, I like it.
0: All right. Uh, Second tech nugget for me is an app that I go back to every now and again, but it's one of those things where you have an app that you use and you don't really look for alternatives for it. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking about Keynote for iPad. And um, a lot of the time, I'll do my stuff on Google Slides just because that's where I'm used to working. And it works on all my devices. Right. Um, but Keynote had some recent updates. They're not like new, new updates. But when I went back to play with it, I found these recently. So the first one is uh, you can draw on your slides with a variety of different tools like mm-hmm. pens and crayons and brushes and that kind of stuff. So I think that's a nice creative thing to do. Um, but to build on that, you can animate those drawings and have them like draw in in the same way that you uh drew them the first time right so i was thinking of an example of like uh, the water cycle where you say it starts with rain falling from the sky so you've got this cloud with rain falling down and you can have each build come in on a different tap so you could be talking about different things and as you tap on your ipad it draws in the the next part of your of your story or mm-hmm. your or your thing you're working on so i think that's pretty cool yeah and you can also change the slide sizes. Um, you can go to four three size. You can go sixteen nine. You can go three four. You can go square slides, or you can choose custom pixel dimensions. And so that makes me think of when I'm working in Google Slides that um, you're either creating eBooks or right. you're creating social yeah. media graphics. Yep. And I know you've said in the past how you don't like working with Google Drawings because <gasps> everything you need is yeah. like inside the slides and yeah. stuff like that, and right. you can save it as a picture. Well. You can do the same on Keynote now, I guess, and maybe not save mm-hmm. it as a picture, but you could take a screenshot of yeah, it sure. and yeah. save it that way and have different sizes for different things.
1: And I haven't been in Keynote for a while. I should go back. I yeah. think there's so many there. I mean, I think Keynote is probably more powerful than Google Slides is. It's just that Google's where I live.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I like Keynote. There's, it's, yeah, just, there's so many different things exactly. to
1: try and yeah, I'll go back. Yeah. One day. You know. one day. One <laughs> day. Probably not today, but... Yeah. All right. So my last Tech Nugget is a fun one. Um, and I was, you know, per usual, not necessarily prepped for Tech Nuggets today. And so I was just kind of thinking about um, things I'd done recently. And actually, just because of my possession, um, profession, my job, I have lots of my friends ask me questions about their phones and they're like, how, do you, how did you do that? Or how did you send that to me? And that made me think of the apps in iMessaging on iPhones. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was kind of looking in there. Somebody the other day had asked me, not the other day, um, probably a couple months ago had asked me how to send their location, their exact location through iMessage. Yeah. And so I showed her how to do that in Maps. Anyway, so um, I happened to be in there just looking in the apps for iMessage and found the gif keyboard okay okay so i add a gif keyboard to my ipad and to my iphone Mm -hmm. and it allows you to choose a gif that you probably see like all over social media and um, add it to whatever place where you can type because it pops up as a keyboard the cool thing about it is that you can add your own meme message to it so I have – you've probably seen this little guy who's like – he's like tiny. Like how old is that kid? 18 months maybe? Maybe, yeah. And um, he's walking into the kitchen. And he makes like this big O face and then like tiptoes back kind of out of the kitchen. There's a
0: complete 180. Yeah, yeah. super funny.
1: <laughs> so um, I took that little one and then added a meme to the bottom that says when I see a snake. So I can kind of personalize that and um, it was it's kind of fun to play with. And then I just inserted it into a Google Doc that I had open on my iPad and – Then I had it right in there, too. The other neat thing about it is that you can save it as a favorite so you can pull that gift back up and use Uh, it some
0: other time. Useful. Yeah. Yes. There's always going to be a time for when I see a snake.
1: Yes. Yes. Always.
0: Always. Unfortunately,
1: (laughs) in my life, it seems like there is always a time for me to use the gift of when I see a snake.
0: Every time you go to Benton Community. Every
1: time I go to Benton Community. Yeah. Yes.
0: That is a fun one, Mindy. You win tight nuggets today. Yay!
1: I am the winner!
0: Well, I think that's about all we have time for this week. A big thanks to Michal for joining us and talking about arts education. I think that was a great conversation and I think it's one we should come back to again in the future. We should get some other people on to talk about arts ed because um, I feel like we got a a lot of good feedback from the PE people as well. People liked that PE episode. Mm -hmm. and So we don't always reach out to the edgies to include all these uh, curricular areas. So we should definitely do that. Uh, shout out to Jonathan Miller, who just started listening to the podcast. He started with the Joe Crozier episode, which I think is a good one it's to, a start good place to start with.
1: Yeah, yeah. He
0: said he really appreciated all Joe's thoughts and ideas and opinions that you shared out. So. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening, Thanks Jonathan. Thanks for
1: listening. And I am at Team Carney on Twitter, and Jonathan is at Jonathan Wiley. Our team account is at DLGWAEA, and you can use our hashtag, EdTechTakeout, to tag the show. If you prefer, you can send us an email to podcast at org.
0: So until next time.
1: This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot.
0: For more information on today's episode, please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast.